Oracle. 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 Putting the E in e-learning. It's uh, 23rd of May 2005, my name is Derek Morrison, I'm editor of Oracle, and today I'm uh, interviewing Brian Kelly of Yukon, and Brian has recently been in Japan, so he's got some interesting stuff to tell us. Uh, welcome, Brian. Hi there, Derek. What were you doing in Japan then, then, Brian? Well, I was attending the International Worldwide Web Conference. This was the 14th uh, web conference over near Tokyo. Uh, so I was attending that conference and I was also participating in an accessibility workshop held the day before the conference. Okay. Um, so th- this meant that you actually produced a paper uh, for the conference, was it? Uh, yes. I, um, a group of us, myself, uh, TechDisc and a couple of other people, had a paper on um, uh, the Web Accessibility Initiative. So this was a paper, a peer-reviewed paper at... Um, a conference on the Interne- International Cross-Disciplinary Workshop on Web Accessibility. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? And yeah, this paper was really building on uh, work that's Laurie Fipp from TechDisc and your colleague Elaine Swift, um, uh, work, work that we did about a year ago on e-learning accessibility. Mm-hmm. This is where we were saying that the conventional way of addressing web accessibility with the Web Accessibility Initiative guidelines was actually... Uh, an oversimplistic approach. So it was an approach that we all hoped would work, but in fact experience shows that it's not really working. So we had really uh, critiqued the um, the way approach and uh, proposed an alternative approach to web accessibility. What, what was the proposed alternative? Um, I think the, the, the way approach is, is pretty much based on, on a, a simple checkbox approach and saying there is a simple set of rules that one can apply which will provide universal accessibility. So that's based on an objective approach to objective view of, of accessibility and the belief in universal accessibility. And we feel it doesn't work. We feel that um, accessibility is similar to usability or in a way is similar to approaches for learning. There's not an approach of universal learning. Mm-hmm. There is a, a contextual approach that is needed. So mm-hmm. we were really arguing this contextual approach to accessibility. And can you give us some sort of example of you know, what, what form would this actually take? Um, we would say that the important thing is the access within learning. The accessibility. The important thing is the accessibility of the learning outcomes, and not necessarily the accessibility of the e-learning resources. So you might regard this as blended accessibility with the parallels with with blended learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, this approach will um, be based upon the learner's needs, and so. A, a student who is visually impaired just has a different set of needs as opposed to here is an approach for somebody who's blind. Okay, but, but what, in, in reality, what impact is that likely to have on the likes of the Web Accessibility Initiative? 
Because well, that I seems very much as it's a, it's a, it's a sort of steamroller that's actually moving at the moment, and that's going to be pretty difficult to get it to, to modify or change direction, or is that an unreasonable point? Uh, I think that's very true, and I think one of the problems... The Web Accessibility Initiative has been tremendously successful in raising people's awareness of the importance of, of accessibility, but I think the guidelines are actually too simplistic. But the problem is, in, in a number of countries... Uh, compliance with the, with the way guidelines is embedded in the legal system. So, for example, in the US, there's a requirement to comply with Section 508. In Italy, it's to comply with WCAG version 1. In the UK, however, the requirement is to, what is it, ensure that people with disabilities are not discriminated against unfairly. So I think we're in a position to take a, um, a wider approach than uh, th- those other countries. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, can we move on to the conference itself? Now, we, I believe that Tim Berners-Lee was doing the uh, opening keynote. That's right, and, as uh, always. As, as always, and uh, uh, what was his theme this year then? There were really two themes to it. Um, one of the main themes was security, the problems we all have with, with spam, with um, phishing websites, with um, uh, JavaScript causing, uh, causing problems, etc., etc. So there was flagging the, the problems that ordinary users are having uh, uh, in, in this area. And then he moved on, perhaps for, for me more, more interestingly, onto the, to the mobile web. Yes, and can you expand a little bit more on that? What, what did he have to say about the mobile, uh, mobile um, web? Well, Tim pointed out there are parallels with the mobile web now uh, with the normal web in about 94, 95, 96, when the network infrastructure was slow, there weren't many users around, it was difficult to create contents, etc., etc. So we were saying there are parallels, but he was also saying in some ways there are um, opportunities and, and positive aspects to it. So, you know, a great many people do have mobile devices, and we've learnt a lot through our experiences in developing um, conventional web services. So he was arguing that the time is really, really ripe to grasp that um, the mobile world. Uh, and he he announced in his talk the launch of the W3C's Mobile Web Initiative, MWI. Okay. Uh- Tell us a little bit more about that. What, what was what is that? Well, that is um, uh, an agreement between W3C and a number of the major players uh, in the mobile market mm-hmm. for working together in order to develop an interoperable, uh, richly functional mobile access to network resources. Mm-hmm. Well, playing a little bit of devil's advocate here on, on this thing, do, do we really think that the, 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 the people who are used to desktops and laptops um, are, 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 these, are these companies who are, who are getting behind this, are they actually being realistic? Do they really think that there's going to be that number of users um, in, in comparison to people who are traditional desktop or, or, or laptop users? Well, I think if you, uh, if you look around on a train, you see many people with, with mobile phones. Mm. So we all, ha- we all have these devices, and particularly in our environment, all the students have these devices. And these devices are not only mobile phones. Increasingly, we're seeing MP3 players. And now we're in a world, as we're discovering, as we're trying now, a world in which um, MP3 players, such as iPods, can be used as a device for accessing network resources. Mm. 
Okay. Okay. Moving off away from that, then, what, what was the, your impressions of the conference itself? Well, I think in a way the conference has reflects the uh, slowing down and complexities of of the web. So there were actually two um, panel sessions that um, were, were particularly relevant here. One was um, web services considered harmful. So the panelists were arguing that the web services specification actually come to over a thousand pages when you print them off, and it's very difficult for even you know clever uh, software developers to really get the hands. Uh, to get a good understanding of these specifications. Mm -hmm. So there was this concern, well, maybe it's all too large, it's all too complex, and we need a simpler approach to uh, to implementing services. And, well, what alternative approaches could there be then? Because if, if one looks particularly at, for instance, the, the, um, the e-learning initiative, the JISC e-learning initiative, or e-learning program, rather, um, a significant part of that, uh, particularly with the e-learning framework, seems to be based around uh, um, uh, a web services model. Yeah, I think there was a feeling that perhaps some of the web services technologies are usable and have taken off. And the one that was mentioned in particular was, was SOAP, mm -hmm. Simple uh, Open Access Protocol. Um, but there was, there was a view that perhaps we could be doing some of these um, interoperable, richly functional services with a more lighter-weight approach. And RSS was one example that was, was mentioned of these lighter-weight approaches. But there was also um, a, a number of people were talking about microformats and the lowercase semantic web, which is providing semantics using lighter type of markup, such as using divs and spans elements within XHTML. Mm. Okay, so... We've got the semantic web um, um, idea, and here we have got this sort of. Um, now you're introducing the idea of microformats, and we're finding the grassroots appeal of standards like RSS, and I'm assuming things like Atom or, or, or mm -hmm. formats like Atom in there as well. Um, where then the semantic web and, and, and things like ontologies? Um, how does this this fit in when now we're getting this sort of lower, the lowercase semantic web and microformats and nasty words like foxonomies actually beginning to appear in the, uh, on, on the horizon? Where then the semantic web in this new world, do you think? That's a really interesting question, and I think the jury is out on, on that. There was another panel session I, I attended, which was um, how are the semantic web development community going to get the um, views of the world adopted within the, within the real world. Mm. So there was some discussion as to whether a viral approach to semantic web should be the thing, an approach that should be made. So this might be uh, technologies such as faux friends of a friend mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and related technologies as a way of getting more people engaged in um, actually using semantic, semantic web applications. Was, was there much debate? Because I, I could imagine that there would be different camps opening up, and th those who've invested a large, a significant part of their recent careers at least in, in, in developing ontologies and, and having one view of the semantic web must, must find this sort of grassroots stuff uh, uh, pretty uh, uh, nerve-wracking. Yeah, I think there will be conflicts. I think the conflicts were very friendly at the web conference. Um, you know, it, it always tends to be a, a quite a friendly environment, and, pe and the people in the different uh, camps were talking to each other and, and engaging in debates. Mm. But within the big wide world, um, what happens? Well, 
we don't know. And I think, yeah, there might be dangers. There can potentially be dangers about going for a heavyweight approach which fails to take off, mm. even if the ideas behind it are, are really good. And we've actually seen that ourselves within the higher education community with um, um, OSI net networking protocols, mm. you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago. Okay. A great idea, but actually failed to take off because a more lightweight approach, such as the internet, you know, really swept the world. Okay. Now, okay, you, you were in Japan, the basically the the, the, the home of, of technological innovation, one would assume. So um, I'm assuming that you know you, there you were going to a, a conference, particularly a, a conference like the 14th International World Wide Web Conference. It must have been really all wired up and should have been state of the art stuff was there and uh, that. So, so was it? Did it fit? Does it fit my stereotype? Oh, v v very much so. And I think I noticed this when I arrived in my hotel. And there was a high-tech toilet seat <laughs> with, with lots of bu buttons to press, which many people were taking photos of. Um, but the other thing in the hotel was there was um, free broadband. Mm. So, you know, I assumed it was going to be very expensive to access the broadband, as you find um, in hotels, and went and asked, and they said, no, it's fine, it's mm. free. Mm. So I was uh, using Skype to ring home for, mm. you know, less than a penny a minute from my hotel bedroom in Japan. Yeah. So we were seeing that technology was within the hotels. And within the conference um, venue itself, it was all Wi-Fi. It was a great, um, you know, good, good bandwidth connectivity. And many people uh, had their own, own devices, their own laptops, their own PDAs. And they were communicating during, during the talks. And a couple of people were also podcasting as well, recording some of the keynote talks and making the, those talks available via a podcast, were blogging in real time during the conference, etc., etc. I think the interesting thing, though, at the conference was that um, there were no PCs provided as standard. Oh, so there was an expectation that the conference delegates would have their own laptop or, or mobile device. And that is very interesting because a, a particular... Um, angle of attack as was I'm taking at the moment is I'm certainly seeing that uh, in the medium term future um, or might even be the short term future that you know, institutions and, and conference organisers and HEIs may, may be getting out of the uh, um, PC desktop uh, uh, business because we're fast getting to a point that um, these devices are becoming the norm and people bring their own and mm. basi basically the actual um, uh, requirement is to provide a good infrastructure and a secure infrastructure for these things to plug into virtually or otherwise Yeah, I, we, we are beginning to see that trend I think but of course there are uh, dangers with, with this approach so you know your, your middle class students who arrive at, at university will be able to, might be able to afford the broadband that the student houses and a decent laptop um, but how does this how does widening participation fit in with this view of the world mm, interesting point uh, perhaps a subject of a, a, another discussion between ourselves um, I'm interested in this idea that the blogging and podcasting talks were taking place at the conference. Did, did, did the speakers not find this fairly disruptive? Uh, that's very interesting. Um, there was no real agreement, I think, that you had to do this. So, so there were about a thousand people in the uh, at the conference. So, for the main plenary talks, so many people were just using the laptops and keying away and maybe reading email or maybe note, making notes. But that was accepted. 
Mm. There was no feeling of you need to uh, seek permission or, in order to do this. There was no real feeling of uh, could this could be disruptive to other people, could be, this be an infringement of privacy or, or copyright. So I think at the web conference we see the future, but we see a technological future in which some of these real-world issues are lagging behind. Yeah, so we, we get to the situation where the students will be podcasting the, uh, the, the, the lecturer's presentation. Yeah, and of course with the dangers of that. So in a way, with, 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 with good teachers, you feel the teacher is, is, is talking to you, is, 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 uh, you know, is, is listening to you, and there's a, a dialogue going on within a small group of people. But if you know, you've got this view that people outside might be listening to this there might be a danger that a more spin-doctored approach would be taking in these in these talks and presentations okay so overall you think it's a conference well worth going to absolutely any any Uh, other highlights you would like to uh, attract our attention to um well uh, it was it was of course fascinating going going to japan so we were about 40 miles outside tokyo so i had a a couple of trips into uh, to tokyo itself where i went to the um, electric city and yes i succumbed and bought myself an ipod photo oh you sad person you (laughs) (laughs) well it's even sadder than you realize because i've installed a a device for for installing rss news feeds onto my ipod and yes i do have the oracle rss feed on my ipod excellent Okay, and the conference, uh, where, where is it being held next year then? Well, next year, it's over here, it's over in Edinburgh. Ah. So next next May, over in Edinburgh, which, as you know, is a, is a wonderful city. So I would really hope to, to see next year greater involvement uh, with, with the UK higher education community as it's on our doorstep. Okay, well, uh, I think we'll leave it at that then, Brian, and uh, thank you very much indeed for uh, filling us in and uh, your, your experiences, at least some of your experiences in Japan. Um, and uh, I'll sign off at this point. Thanks again, Brian. Okay, thanks.